The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the January 19th edition of The Nasty Cast. This is the second base preview episode. I'm your host, Van Lee, and I'm joined by Ron Rigney. Ron Robald himself. Welcome to the show. Hello, welcome, uh, welcome myself. Glad to be here. Uh, second baggers, second sackers, second baseman, guys who played the Keystone, even. Uh, so let's talk about them. The Keystoners, I love it. What a word! Actually, I do really like calling second base the Keystone. That's really cool. Brian Vaughn, how cool is that? It is really cool. I've always liked to do it as well. It's a nice little varied term. I like that baseball has some positions that have that, like the hot, but corner. not all. Yeah, hot corner. No, I Keystone. wish like. Left field had one like offensive lump or something. <laughs> Wonder what, what would you call for? What would you call first base? Um, you know, um, stationary entity. First stop, victory. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm doing all right today. I am day to day. I thought I would let everybody know I'm I'm kind of battling a nagging injury right now, which oh, is. No. What happened? For the third time in, I would say, six months, I have slightly pulled something in my neck washing my hair. <laughs> and this is not one of the more severe ones. I had one that sidelined me for really like two days. I was I, I my neck was very stiff. I had a lot of trouble turning my head. And as a podcaster, these are the sorts of injuries you have to deal with. Uh, I am soldiering on. I think I'll make it. Uh, I've yet to to seek medical attention. I know the hospitals are strained with COVID right now, so I don't I don't need to bother them with my uh neck injury as my a neck. podcaster. Yeah. Listen, hospital people, my neck is slightly sore. <laughs> Pay attention to me. No, you're really the Cal Ripken Jr. How is that yeah. right? Junior? Is yeah, that he's right? Junior. That's Why right. Have, that just sounded weird coming out of my head. It's like one of Nobody the most famous names. It. But no, you're right. It is. Anyway, you're like the Cal Ripken Jr. of podcasting and we appreciate that brian mm-hmm. graying I hair say, i don't yeah. miss an inning well i miss maybe the last four but i'm there for the first five maybe a little <laughs> obnoxious at least but you know not yes. too bad no yeah, tall i uh, for my position <laughs> i have uh which is short but uh which is shortest guy on the podcast which i think <laughs> i am tall for that position i guess that's totally fair considering what you could, <laughs> you could see there uh, ooh, I've just completely lost what I was about to say. So we're That's going part to move of this on. podcast charm. That's mm-hmm. right. We're going to talk second baseman on today's episode, and we have a lot of great names to cover. So let's just dive right into it. But before we get into the individual players, let's talk the position as a whole for this season. What do you guys think about the strength of the position? Do you like guys early? Do you like guys late? Overall, how are you treating second base uh, as a whole, Brian? Well, this is a little bit of a different story than the last couple of positions for me in that, I mean, you can wait on the position. There's definitely options and there are options that I do like, but there's also a chance to get some transformative players up top, especially knowing that Trey Turner qualifies here. Like Bumblebee, uh, he can he can turn into a uh, like a, a tow truck or something. Mm-hmm. That's a and he's got an player. attitude also, mm-hmm. which is the other thing about Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is a position. The first one we've covered since we covered catcher in first, where maybe you are looking to get some stolen bases. Maybe that's actually an active goal. So that could guide how you approach the position. Uh, I do think that there are good options pretty much throughout, but it is still 
uh, second base. It's still weaker than some of the other positions, probably stronger than the ones we've covered, catcher and first so far, but and rehabilitated from a year ago. But second still has its its share of weak spots. I think I have a picture. My son and I have a picture with Bumblebee at Universal Studios. I'll have to see if I can. The real guy? Out. The That's real awesome. guy. He was he was there taking pictures. It was great. So <laughs> I, I, I like this position a lot. Like, like you said, Brian, you can wait quite a bit and still feel pretty good about it. And I, and I like, too, that there's a lot of guys here that are second base eligible, that are eligible other spots. So it gives you a lot of flexibility as you move down the list. I mean, you mentioned Trey Turner right off the bat eligible at second and short not that he's not ultra valuable anyway but that just adds to what he's able to do and as you go down the line you, know, you have guys you have a few guys that are eligible first second third second and short second and third so you can a lot of these guys as you get to further down the list are interchangeable pieces which i like a lot but Absolutely. i feel pretty i feel pretty good about this you know even all the way down depending on the size of the league there's guys all the way down around 19 20 21 that i feel just fine having those guys as my starting second baseman some of and, whom also have upside. Yes. Yes. And that is reflected in the ADP because, I don't know, like last week with first base, when we were talking the 20th best first baseman, we were looking around like pick 340 in drafts. The 20th best second baseman is around pick 185. So obviously there's more overall talent here. And I think this uh, position kind of, when I look at it, it proves to myself that I am far better with 15 team leagues than I am shallow team leagues, 10 or 12 team, Mm -hmm. because I do see a lot of these names, 19, 20, 21, 24, whatever, that are, I could go, oh, you know, in this package, that's a great option. Whereas if you're playing a 12 team league, that's a bad option because you just need a superstar at every spot. And that that just doesn't uh, win you leagues. Yeah, like Brendan Rodgers is interesting and a 12 teamer, I don't need to even know his name. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I do prefer the deeper leagues myself, but I totally understand people who prefer the shallower leagues and we'll discuss whether or not those players are valuable at that slot or not uh i do think i would rather end up with trey turner on every single one of my teams but i'm not going to get that because he's a top three pick and if it doesn't turn out okay maybe i change my strategy for second base so let's get into it trey turner is the number one second baseman off the board of course he's also shortstop eligible he is third on fan tracks as far as overall draft slots However, I think on NFBC, he is firmly cemented as the number one overall pick. Either way, definitely a top couple of pick uh, pick here. So let's talk a little bit about him. Brian, what do you think Trey Turner can do this year? Because he finally, I guess, put it all together last year. 28 home runs and 646 plate appearances, 32 steals, 328, 375, 536. Overall, a fantastic season, but not really off base with the I guess, per plate appearance production we've seen from him in the past. So was last year just him being healthy, or is it a case of, uh, I don't know, was it a lucky lucky season for him? I don't think there's anything to suggest that it's lucky. I think with Turner, he's entering his prime and he's fully healthy. He's one of a few guys who, if you wanted to argue with me that he was the best player in baseball, I would be like, okay. I mean, I don't think he's my pick for that, but he's he's a great player. And I think he's going to have like a, another few years where th- these are his best years, his prime years. And uh, around 30-30 is something he can do now. He's added enough home run power. I've always liked his capacity for doubles and triples power. Some of that's turned into home runs and it looks sustainable. So I, I think Turner's a guy who 20-25 homers, 30-plus deals, the rate stats 
are going to be awesome. He's going to score runs and drive them in. No holes here. He plays second and short. I mean, yeah, there's a reason he's pretty much universally like a top three pick. He's a great player. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to add to that. I mean, there's a reason that you're picking him in the top three, and it doesn't matter the position that he plays. I mean, he does everything all the way across the stat sheet. Entering his age 28 season, like Brian said, so he's just entering that prime. Still got a few years of this ahead of him. Who knows how many? Uh, and, and we used to talk about him, you know, at the beginning of his career, he used to have these freak injuries and we'd never see him healthy. Well, finally, we've seen that health, you know, be there the last few seasons, only played 122 games in 2019 and still gave you 35 steals, 19 homers hit 298, 353, 497, and, and added some more pop last year. So it's, it's a guy that, you know, like I said, too, with, with adding that second base and shortstop eligibility in leagues, he just becomes all that more valuable a guy that I have on a couple of dynasty leagues that I was lucky enough to get. And, you know, that second base eligibility allowed me to have a little flexibility to trade a little bit of my depth at other places in one of my dynasty leagues and add some prospects. I know he may not have that, that eligibility all the time, but it's ultra helpful this year. So just, just a great player that does everything all the way across the stat sheet and, you know, getting traded to the Dodgers, getting traded to an even more potent lineup only makes him that much more valuable. Yes, because the Dodgers are a good lineup and will be forever. The Nationals lineup is not very good, so it is a good thing that he has moved on to a great team. I do wonder, though, if he gets, quote-unquote, Dodgered a little bit, so maybe the opportunity for 740 plate appearances like he had in 2018 is completely gone because they just simply won't let players do that, but maybe he's also more likely to reach 650 because they are a little bit better at not playing guys when they're maybe a little beat up because they yeah. have the depth to do that. Overall, though, I don't know a whole lot else to add here. He's amazing, definitely deserving of this slot in the draft. So let's move on. The next player might be a little bit more interesting to discuss. It's Ozzy Albies. He is the second second baseman off the board at pick 21 overall. So you're looking at a early second round pick here or mid-second round in a 12-team league. Overall, Ron, what do you think of Ozzy Albies coming into the season? I mean, in the past, we thought maybe he's going to be an elite stolen base guy with a little bit of power, but he's be, instead become a 30 home run threat with pretty good speed, stole 20 bases last year, too. And maybe the batting average isn't great, but still pretty good. Overall, what do you think? I'm fine with him at, at this pick. I, I don't know how much of, of that I'm going to have. I don't know how much of him I'm going to have. At, at that pick, it just uh, it all comes down to you know where what else you've drafted, but I think that's fine value for him at twenty one. And I mean he's 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 a pretty big drop off for me from Trey Turner. Not in counting stat, not counting stats wise. Obviously, he's not going to give you as many steals, but the homers are there. Hundred runs, hundred RBIs are, are most likely there. I, I'd like to see them bring Freddie Freeman back and maybe add another bat to that lineup. I think that helps him out a little bit there as well. But 259, 310, 488. So he's not giving you the average in the OBP that you're going to get from a Trey Turner. But it's still, it, it's something where you could see the average bounce back a little bit. He is a career 273 hitter. So you could see that average jump up another 10 points. That wouldn't surprise me. And see the OBP jump up a little bit as well. But obviously, he's the second best guy at the position because of those counting stats that he gives you. He doesn't strike out a ton. He walks a little bit. Love to see him walk a little bit more than that 6.9%. But he did increase it from the uh, COVID season in 2020. Overall, just a, a really, really nice player, really solid player, and he's going to fill up those counting stats for you. Definitely. Albies is really good. He's a very good fantasy player, also a really good real-life one for all that he offers. But I, um, 
I like everything about him, including he's only 25. Like he could, you know, become more discerning at the plate uh, and things like that. But I I'm a little hesitant to draft him around pick 20 only because he is one of those guys with an approach that's very batting average dependent and he's not explicitly a great batting average player. He's kind of a low OBP slugging second baseman who also offers you the 15 to 20 steals. Like Ron said, great for counting stats. Um, I'd like to see some advancement in the the approach, but that that also might just be me. I struggle to draft guys with that profile in, in the first couple rounds. No, I'm kind of with you there, Brian. I think Ozzy Albies is a very particular draft at 21 based on who you took in the first round. Yeah. And looking at the first round, there aren't a lot of players that I think would fit that mold where taking Albies at 21 would be the right decision. I don't know, like Vladimir Guerrero maybe, because then you're at least getting the stolen bases and Guerrero's going to walk a ton anyway. So OBP, getting on base, counting stats, all that stuff is safe. So maybe that's the the pivot here. But overall, if I took a guy in the first round who did have speed, I'm probably looking for something else at this slot. If I took a pitcher, I'm probably looking for someone a little safer than Albies at this spot. So I get everything about him being here. I just don't foresee a lot of leagues where that's the decision-making process that would lead me to drafting him, if that makes sense. So let's move on to the number three second baseman on the board. It's new Texas Ranger Marcus Simeon, and he is the 31st player off the board. Now, the Texas ballpark is no longer the hitter's haven that it once was, but it's still not a horrible park for that. But last year with Toronto, of course, Simeon had that monster season worthy of MVP awards, 724 plate appearances, 45 home runs, 15 steals, 265, 334, 538. Brian, do you like him at this slot, or is this still just banking on too much of what happened in Toronto? I think this this is this is too high for Simeon just because I I mean the steamer projection on him is about what I think he'll do which is really solid a 260 average 30 homers 10 steals but that sounds a lot like Jorge Polanco and he's available much much later so it's not that I'm down on Simeon so much as I think the kind of player he is can be replicated with a much lower pick you're not in like the third or fourth round so that's kind of, uh, or where's he going? Yeah, around 31, yeah, like the third round. So uh, I think Semyon's just going a little too high, as you said, Van, banking off his success in Toronto, which, incredible year, but I, I, I think that's the career year right there. I don't think that this spot is bad for him. I'm kind of like you, Brian. I'm going to wait a little bit if this is what I'm kind of looking at as far as what I'm getting from him or what I'm getting from this position stat-wise. I just don't know what the move to Texas is going to be, you know, both Van, like you said, with the ballpark, but also with that lineup. I, and they signed Corey Seager. I know we've got, you know, we talked about Nate Low, Nate Low last week. And I, I just don't know what the, how that lineup is going to shake out. And I don't know if there's going to be enough protection for him in that lineup and there's going to be enough guys getting on base to drive in those high run totals that we've seen from him. When you think about that Toronto offense and you compare it to Texas, it's not even, it's not even a comparison really. And, I'm going to, we're starting to kind of get to the point in, the, in this position where the next few guys I'm out on for the most part, unless they drop a little bit from these ADPs. But I, I, I like Marcus Simeon. I think he's a solid player, been a solid player for a long time. And we've seen him do it in ballparks that aren't too hitter friendly. You know, we haven't, we didn't see any huge 30 home run seasons when he was in Oakland, but we saw some nice home run totals there. You know, we saw the 27, right? You know, 10 to 15. And, and, and for where he was drafted those years, 
that was really solid numbers and solid value because you were getting him way, way later than this. I just think we see quite a bit of a drop-off from those numbers that we saw last season. And I'm like you, Brian, I don't think he's going to be too far off from the steamer projections. I just think there's a lot of question marks with that move from Texas. Yeah, certainly. And I I think this is, I mean, it isn't, but I think this is kind of a bad pick at pick 31, to be honest. I think if he's 20 picks later, if he's in the 50s, yeah. Perfect. Exactly. It's not, it's not that I expect. Yeah. I don't think he's going to have a bad year. It just seems really high. I think this is, uh, and I looked it up here. So basically what I feel about the different platforms, as far as pulling ADP is we pull fan tracks for this show because it's a little more identifiable for a, a much broader audience than NFBC stuff, which tends to be from, you know, high stakes players, snooty players, that sort of thing. However, those guys, because a lot of money is on the line, there tends to be quite a bit more um, I guess l- less by the book boilerplate decisions. And that's what Simeon at this spot looks like. It seems like someone just ran him through a, uh, you know, these are the player rankings from last year. This is kind of what it's going to be like. And it just feels like someone in every draft at this point has been like, well, Simeon's out there, you know, he hit four, 50 home runs and stole 15 bases. It's the decision because no one else hit 50, 50 home runs and stole 15 bases last year. So I don't like it at this slot. But again, maybe we see a course correction over the coming months because it hasn't been that long since he was yeah. signed by Texas. So we'll see. But overall, no. And we just in general, like because we really don't know when the season's going to start. <laughs> Thanks to the lockout. I mean, we may wind up revisiting these rankings a little bit um, mm-hmm. because things could look a lot different. Oh, you know, I brought up NFBC, but I didn't tell about his numbers there. He is, over the last calendar month, going with the 38th pick. So really not that different, just seven picks later. So uh, that might poke holes in my logic. But overall, I would have expected him to be going much later on that platform. But oh well, here we are. Let's move on to the number four second baseman on this list. Whit Merrifield. To it, it becomes a decision. And he is now 32 years old. Let's see. Oh, he'll be 33 when the season starts, if it starts. But last year... 2021, he had 720 plate appearances, 10 homers, 40 steals, 277, 317, 395. I think we're to Brian first. Brian, uh, let's see. The power was about what it has been for him over the last several years. The stolen bases were way up compared to what he's done in the past, although he had a few like this early on in his career. And, of course, the slugging percentage just disappeared at 395. Overall, though, if you're looking for stolen bases, would you take Merrifield at uh, 42 overall? There's no scenario where I, I draft Whit Merrifield in uh, in the, at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth round, wherever this would be. Uh, I I think for me, the big reason on the surface, yeah, he stole 40 bases last year, 171 runs plus RBI. All that sounds nice out of out of middle infield eligible player eligible player, but. I mean, he had the worst offensive season of his career, as you alluded to, Van. Didn't get on base, and you kind of need to do that to reliably steal. Uh, And he also, the power just disappeared. WRC plus of 91, so, you know, you can tell from that relative to his position even, he's not a good hitter. He's aging. I'm I'm worried at this point. I think he's still valuable because of the steals, but I am concerned. You know, a guy, a guy like this, there there comes a point, like you said, Van, he's going to be 33 coming up. I think I saw his birthday is this month, so it's coming up soon. He's going to be 33 heading into the season. And there's going to be a point where we're going to see a huge, huge drop-off in the steals, and they're not going to come back. You know, we saw them. You know, he, had 20, he only had 20 in 2019, played every single game, 735 plate appearances, only stole 20 bases. 
had 720 last year and doubled that total, which is great. And he's durable. He's going to be out there every day. But if you look at the amount of plate appearances, it's taking you to get to that point. If he does get hurt, you're not going to get those steals. And, and it's just going to, you know, I don't want to be the one caught holding the bag when he does drop off and the steals disappear. And he's given you 10 homers, 70 RBIs, and 12 to 15 steals with a mediocre average in OBP. Also for a guy that, that, that steals that many bases, I'd like to see him uh, get on base a little bit more and that, you know, that five and a half percent walk rate. He only strikes out 14% of the time, but he still only had a 317 OBP last year. That's a problem for me as well. So I, I don't dislike him as a player. I think there's still a little value to be had. I just don't know that that value is at this ADP. I don't know what happened last year that allowed him to be just uber insanely good at stealing bases because it wasn't just the total number of stolen bases of 40. It was that he was only caught four times because let's see, 2019, his last full season prior to this, 20 steals caught 10 times. 2018, 45 steals caught 10 times. 2017, 34 steals caught eight times. So something happened that allowed him to just not ever get caught. And as you guys said, I mean, he's going to be 33. That will start to taper off a little bit. I'm actually not as concerned that that tapers off. I think his role going forward will still be as good stolen base player with a good batting average. And there is certainly a price you could pay for that that is totally worthwhile. Just don't think it's pick 42 overall. I think the thing that you you touched on it, Ron, that scares me the most with Merrifield is at that age, the at-bats, the plate appearances start to taper off. Maybe it's a nagging injury. Maybe it's uh, he just doesn't play 12 inning games every day anymore. He only goes nine or seven or eight and his ankle hurts. So they take him out, whatever it may be. If he's a 630 plate appearance player and his stolen bases revert to maybe the 2019 rate uh, ratio, then okay, he will be a 15 to 20 stolen base player. And that's just not a 40th round pick. So overall, yeah. I just don't like it. We talk about this. Uh, we talked about this a lot last year, but th- this is one of those scenarios where you just kind of have to remember you really do need to make sure this early you're drafting good hitters. Like if mm-hmm. you're drafting an offensive player, not someone who you don't want to draft somebody who you even think is a one category guy or could be in the fourth round. This is an awful lot like his teammate, Adalberto Mondesi, guy who would be drafted at this spot every year and then never seems to quite put up that kind of value and is a bad player. And if the Royals ever decide to become a real baseball team, Maybe they lose playing time. We'll see. Merrifield doesn't walk a lot. Of course, he does put the bat on the ball. Yeah, Overall, and just, yeah. Merrifield's still a major league player, obviously. It's just sure. that, you know, the offensive decline, even if he's still running, is a little worrisome just because it could really hurt you across the board. Speaking of a running decline, our next player, the fifth second baseman <laughs> off the board, Jose Altuve at pick, let's see, 61 overall. His stolen bases are gone, Ron. However, he's still providing plenty of value. Last year, 678 plate appearances, and the what is he like five foot one, five foot six, 166 pounds. He certainly weighs more than that now. Anyway, 31 home runs, 117 runs scored, 83 RBIs, just five stolen bases, 278, 350, 489. So Ron, obviously, stolen bases are gone. We don't really need to count on those anymore. But as a power hitter, as a guy who scores runs, drives in runs, do you like Altuve at this slot? Pick 61. I don't mind him here. I just, uh, yet again, I think I can get something similar. I think the upside on a couple of guys is similar a little bit later, or I could get something that's a little bit of a drop off from some of the power numbers, but could add me a few more steals, but I can't really fault somebody for taking him here. I mean, he's a guy that ever since 2016 has just produced home runs, 
runs and RBIs. You know, he hits in a potent lineup. He's giving you a batting average. He's giving you a nice slash. So really the only thing he's not giving you at this spot is going to be those stolen bases. And, you know, Steamer projects him for 26, 101, 79 RBIs, nice slash line. So I can't fault somebody for taking him here. I just don't know if I'm going to take him here at pick 60. I think I might wait a little bit later on and see what I can get a little bit further down the line, maybe about three or four rounds later. Altuve is a guy I got a lot of last year uh, because he was just dropping and dropping and dropping. And I was glad I did. I think, and and he's the first player of a few I'm going to mention as we go along here, whose floor is really high. And I think that there's some value in that too, because he's not going to strike out a lot and the power is very much legit. So he seems like a guy who will hit near the top of a good lineup all the time and looks like a 280 plus 25 homer plus guy. So that seems to be the floor for Altuve as this weird slugging version of his previous <laughs> self as he enters his thirties and continues to allege being five foot six. So I think that <laughs> I think he's still a very good player and I don't mind drafting him here, but like Ron said, I do think you can get a similar player for cheaper later. And as you said, Brian, this is uh this is a safe draft pick as far as the power and what he provides. So really if you're, drafting the first couple of guys who maybe you took DeGrom early on, who's someone who could just get you zero if he's hurt, then okay, you need now Tuve here to provide you a baseline for your offensive numbers, because I do think he will do that. I think when he finally starts to taper off, it'll be a bit. He's just now 31, which is shocking. Feels like he should be 36 at this point. But I think if the Astros ever, you know, start to not become the playoff uh, behemoth that they are, then the runs and RBIs will go down. Maybe he'll age a little less gracefully into his 30s. Either way, I still think it's two, three years away before we stop seeing Definitely. Jose Altuve, great fantasy asset. And Altuve, too, he's one of those players who might age pretty well because he is athletic and also like freakishly coordinated. He's mm-hmm. one of those kinds of guys. That's how he got to be four foot three and be like a, an all star caliber major league player. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Jose Altuve at five. Number six second baseman is Brandon Lowe, and he's being drafted one pick later at pick 62 overall. Brandon Lowe last year, of course, with Braun's Tampa Bay Rays, put up 39 home runs and 615 plate appearances, stole seven bases, and right around 100 runs in RBI each, just under each. 247, 340, 523. Brian, what do you think of Lowe? Do you think he could repeat that number this year? Do you like him at this slot? I it, this is uh we it feels like a cop out but it's a team construction thing because when you talk about low Ron I'm going to ask you is this the, is Brandon is he a low or a low He's a low He's, He's a low okay okay yes. I cannot for the life of me even though we just discussed Nate last week remember these things so low is a guy who as a prospect as his power developed this is what you wanted I remember talking about him going into last season and we all did think he had power. I don't know that we thought he'd hit 39 home runs <laughs> like he did last year, but it makes sense. He's a guy who hit 240 with a really high strikeout rate, over 27% with those home runs. And I think some version of that's what we'll see this year again with the Rays. He's a very good player, just a, a overall good player. You're going to have to take the batting average hit with him but those home runs come along. So if you find yourself kind of like Van said earlier, if you've taken an ACE and maybe you took care of steals early or something, uh, if you want a lot of power out of second base, you really can't find a better guy for power than Lau. 
Yeah, it, I agree with you there. It just kind of depends upon what you've drafted before this. And, of course, I'm a little partial to him because he does play for the Rays. But it, it also depends on the league as well. He's going to he's gonna hurt you in batting average. He's only going to hit probably 250 at the most, 255, which isn't terrible. But he does hurt you a little bit there. He does take a little bit of a ding in that format. OBP is there, but he does strike out a lot. Walks at a pretty decent clip, 11%. Pretty consistent for his career there. I think we see the homers drop a little bit, but I think he's a consistent threat for 30 homers. It just kind of depends upon the uh, the other bats in that lineup and what they do. They're not going to have Nelson Cruz most likely hitting in the middle of that lineup anymore. It might be it might fall to Brandon Lau being that cleanup guy now. But you do have Wander Franco there. You do have you do have Austin Meadows there. So it's something that I do like him here. Um I don't know, though, if, like I said, it could be something where I feel like maybe a little bit later on, unless I absolutely need those home runs, I might be able to wait a little while and get somebody that's kind of you know, kind of the same thing I said with Altuve that's going to give me something close to that power, those power numbers, but going to give me a few more steals. But Brandon Lau, you draft him for homers, you get seven steals. That's always that's kind of a big bonus there when you're not really expecting to get much speed out of him. I totally 100% buy his steamer projection, which is 626 plate appearances, 32 home runs, six steals, 244, 333, 479. I also probably won't wind up with Brandon Lowe anywhere. It's just this point in the draft, in particular, there are a lot of pitchers I really, really, really like around here. But overall, they're just more players who do different things that I could use here than I'm really just looking for a power guy who... Again, to his credit, does steal a couple of bases. So that's the good news with that. One thing I want to point out is I don't buy the runs and RBI from 2021. And I think even the runs and RBI from the steamer projection, which is 87 runs, 86 RBI, is a little high because all you have to do is go to fan graphs and look at his game log. The Rays play him everywhere. It doesn't matter how good he was. He did bat lead off a lot, but he would be fifth for a couple of days in a row. Seventh, he has eighth, ninth, eighth, fourth. He's just all over the place with that lineup. It's a team that mixes and matches a lot. So I think the counting stats may not be as good as a couple of guys around here. Like, for example, Altuve is going to hit third every day. He's going to drive in a lot of runs. He's going to score a lot of runs wherever it is he hits. But I think Lowe skips around a lot. So I think that kind of uh, tapers that off a little bit. Okay, Lau. Sorry, excuse me. Brandon Lau, number six. Number seven on this list, it's Javier Baez, the now Detroit Tiger. He has found a new home, no longer with the Cubs. And Baez last year, oh, let's see, he's going to pick 86 overall. But last year, he between the two teams, he had 547 plate appearances, 31 home runs, 18 stolen bases, and a 265, 319, 494 slash line. I'll go first on this one. Here's the thing. He's 29 years old. He's still young. And he does this every freaking year. Every, every single year. year, he doesn't walk. He hits 260, <laughs> hits a bunch of home runs, steals a bunch of bases. I think this is a steal. I said it last year. I don't remember where he was going. And guess what? He provided you awesome value where he was So drafted. I looked Bill this Dudia. up, and he was going right around this exact spot, 82. It was? Okay, because yeah. I was super into him last year, and I still am. So I think this is a great buy. I think, obviously, the downside is maybe he does hit 230. But even that said, I don't think there's risk of him hitting 203 like he did in 2020. I think that was just the, excuse me, that was the small sample size which helped taper off his numbers. I think everything else looks legit, and I firmly believe he'll do exactly what he did. And even Steamer says 26 homers, 13 steals, 245, 291, 446. They're being a bit bullish on the batting average. I still think 250, 260, and he could hit 280 again. 
Uh, Brian, what do you think? I think you are spot on. I think one of the things projection systems can't account for, and this is one of the things that um, I know some of them have tried to do, like baseball prospectus has tried to do it with Pakoda to some success, things like that. But his type of player that Baez is, when you think of a, a guy who walks never and strikes out literally a third of the time, 29% for his career, but hits 25, 30 homers, you think of kind of an unathletic first base type, but Baez has great coordination. He's super athletic. And because of that, he can make that skill set work. He has a career 264 batting average with that 29% strikeout rate, which is, I don't know that many players have pulled that off historically. And I think it's just sort of the player that he is. He's going to offer power and enough speed. And uh, the batting average really hasn't cratered in a long, long time. I don't expect it to either. So kind of an underrated player and uh, one of the guys, yeah, who, despite him, what I said about Albies earlier, I think Baez in a, uh, is just that with less average, perhaps. Yeah, not a lot to add here. I mean, where you're getting him at is it's a great pick because he's eligible at second and short, most likely, in your league. And a guy that you're getting around this pick with the potential for 30 homers, 20 steals, 80 runs, 80 RBIs. And, and like, like you both said, we're waiting for that drop-off to happen because he has that wonky 30% walk rate with a 5% or 5% walk rate with a 30% K rate, but he just continues to do it. So we, we, we bought, we bought in, we're, we're here. We, we like this skill set, and you, you know, what, what you're getting, you know, at, at pick 86, you know, almost a full two rounds behind Brandon Lau, um, uh, you know, two rounds behind Altuve, you know, I, I mean, when I look at like Marcus Simeon, Whit, Whit Merrifield in the thirties and forties, I would much rather have, Javi Baez a pick 86 than those two guys that you're getting 40 to 50 picks uh, ahead of that. So I think you're getting huge value here with him at pick 86. One thing I wanted to point out was now being with the Tigers, I was somewhat kind of concerned initially that, oh, maybe his counting stats will take a hit, a little bit of a hit here. The Cubs have been bad for years. So number one, he was one, a Met that. too. He had to do that. And the Mets. Yeah. And then number two, the Tigers are actually looking kind of interesting, particularly mm-hmm. if Torkelson makes his way up to the major leagues, uh, some of their other prospects they have there. But I don't think they're as bad of a lineup as we seem to think. Heimer Candelario, I firmly believe, is pretty solid. Robbie Grossman continues to just be awesome and underrated. So I actually think that lineup's a little bit better than we might think. Hopefully, the bloated corpse of Miguel Cabrera can do a little something because that could help the team as well. Okay, number eight. On the second base list is Ketel Marte, pick 89. So just three spots after uh, Baez here. What do you think, Ron? Do you like Marte at this spot? Um, if if I'm picking my second baseman right around this general area, pick, you know, like let's say like round uh, or pick 80, 80 to 100, I think I'm going to wait on a couple of these guys behind him just for the fact that, you know, we saw him kind of have that big coming out party a couple of years ago with the 32 homers, and then it really tailed off last year. I know the batting average and the slash line were really solid. You, you got 14 homers, but you didn't get a lot in the way of counting stats. And I think that there's guys that you can get a couple couple rounds later, that, you know, 20, 30 picks later that are going to give you similar stats that I also would argue, especially in a couple of guys like Jonathan India and uh, Jazz Chisholm, that I would have, I would argue have better upside as well, just kind of see how they progress in their second season. So I don't think you're going to see me with the Kettle Marte pick on a lot of my teams unless he falls beyond that pick 89 spot. 
I don't know that I've ever had Marte, but I'm in a devil's advocate for a second, even though I think I pretty much agree with you, Ron. Although for me, I think it's because I, I would need, by this point, him to have just played more. That's the thing about him that worries me, because last year he was kind of incredible. Like, uh, the counting stats weren't there, but that's that's dead luck anyway. When you're hitting 318, 377, 532, that's, uh, it's not your fault if... <laughs> If your team's not mm-hmm. putting guys on base. Um, well, also, too, real quick, the one thing I didn't take into consideration there, too, is like your, your, the 90 games as well. When you look at that across yes. 90 games, actually is pretty impressive, especially for yeah. the lineup that he hits in. And 14 homers across that, too. I mean, you're looking at a career 287 hitter who, I mean, if you're averaging this out, looks like he's going to hit 25 to 30 homers per full season and would have counting sets to go with that. Somehow he doesn't run which is what we all initially came to know him as, a stolen base-only threat. He's turned into a really solid hitter all around. But the overall, and he also qualifies at second and outfield, which is really nice. So there's a lot to like about Marte, but for me, man, there's just a lot of injury risk here that, that does scare me. And without the stolen bases being part of a game, his game as well, I, I agree with Ron. I think they're just probably safer, better options. Yeah, I'm just not that interested, and that's not to say I am against him doing what you said, Brian. In a full season, maybe he hits 28 home runs. Maybe he just how does he get a full season? <laughs> yeah, that's the big question. And also with Arizona, yes, it is very fluky with the counting stats, but also you need to be in a situation where there's a chance someone can be on base or someone can drive you in. That's not going to happen with Arizona. It's such a bad team. So also they uh, no no time change. Oh, that, yeah. So if it's seven elsewhere, it's not seven there anymore because they're against clocks. What effect that has on him? <laughs> I th- I could see it. I think if we wanted to take this seriously, we could be like, you know, flying from time zone to time zone and then realizing there isn't a time zone and Arizona yeah. makes it. Anyway, yeah, it could be something like that. But no, I, I just I don't really have that much interest in Ketel Marte. I think there are the next two guys on this list at the least steal bases and do everything that Marte does, maybe with less batting average. So, Maybe you're in the position where you need batting average and power and not speed and power. If that's the case, then sure, I guess Marte's the selection. But yeah, again, health is a big part of it too. All right, let's take a quick break here. When we get back, we'll continue discussing second baseman with Jorge Polanco, Jonathan India, and more. Nasty. Welcome back to the show. I'm Van Lee alongside Ron Rigney and Brian Vaughn. We are talking second baseman. It's time to discuss the ninth one off the board, Jorge Polanco. He's currently going two picks after Ketel Marte at 91 overall. Now, Polanco, of course, last year in his age 28 season had a hell of a finish to it. He started out rough, 644 plate appearances, 33 homers on the season, 11 steals, 97 runs, 98 RBI, and a 269, 323, 503 slash. Brian, that's awesome. Is he able to repeat it this year? Definitely. I I had him in almost all of my leagues last year, and I was very glad I did. He There's nothing to suggest that uh, what he is now, the uh, kind of a 30-10 guy, is fluky. And he also is another guy. I mentioned this earlier with Altuve, with Baez. He doesn't walk a ton, but it's really stable because he also makes good contact, doesn't strike out a lot. I think the floor is really high for Polanco when he's entering his prime. So 
he's similar to a lot of the players ahead of him. I think 270 with 25, 30 homers, good counting stats, 10, 15 steals. That's all right there, and he's going way later than some of the other players at this position that you might expect that from. I'm not entirely sure why. I know the Twins aren't terribly good, but man, I mean, now we have kind of a track record to go on here too with Polanco. So he's a player I like a lot and like at this spot too. Yeah, definitely consistent with what he's putting up as uh, you know with that stat line last year, and we saw in 2019, 22 homers. Uh, but last season, you know, gave you the the 97 and 98 runs and RBIs as well, and I think that's that's a, that's big out of him. Also, I don't really know what to expect out of that Twins lineup, but I think he's still going to hit for a decent average, decent OBP, and I think it's going to be. You might see a little bit of a drop off in the in the home runs, but for the most part, I don't see any reason that he shouldn't get you a, a very similar season to what he gave you last year. And you know, as we're looking at you, know, getting further and further down the list here. He's the ninth second baseman off the board at pick 91 and I would much rather have him over Kettle Marte I'd much rather I think I'd rather have him with the value added in over Merrifield Altuve uh, Marcus Simeon a lot of these guys that we've talked about you know many many rounds ago so I think he's probably of the guys to buy a little bit later I think he's probably at, in this chunk of, of of the draft in this portion of where we got these guys going off the board he's probably my favorite one uh right here uh going to pick 91. Yeah absolutely great pick I think, I don't know, maybe no one's excited to draft Ket, uh, Jorge Polanco, so that's kind of just what happens here. You get to the point where, well, I guess I need to fill this position. I'll just take Jorge Polanco, but that's way wrong. He is so good, and he is such a fantasy contributor, and I think a safe one, too. I know we've seen a little bit of fluctuation in some of the stats, but overall, I believe the power. I believe the steals. I believe you know a 270 batting average is certainly within range, so he's awesome. And I think uh, I think people are really undervaluing him. I do wonder sometimes if there's not a like negative demerit that goes on a player's record for their. I'm not going to say all fantasy players, but for a lot of fantasy players, when it comes to a major leaguer who didn't have a big prospect pedigree and also didn't like burst onto the scene, so to that's speak. true. Yeah, and maybe that might contribute. Just... Yeah, to what you're saying about Polanco maybe not being like the most attractive pick, even though if you just look at the numbers. <laughs> Why is yeah, he going here? He didn't have a pedigree, so maybe there's a little bit of, oh, well, you know, he's just getting lucky involved with it. And I, I it's just not luck at this point. It's total skill. But we'll find yeah. out if you guys like the next guy on the list. It's Jonathan India, the 10th second baseman off the board. He's going with pick 91, also the same as Polanco. And India, of course, won Rookie of the Year last year, managed to put up 21 home, run, home runs, 12 steals, 269, 376, 459 slash for the Reds. What do you think, Brian, actually? What do you think of uh, uh, Jonathan India here? So with Jonathan India, he he really had a nice year that proved me wrong about some of the things I thought about him. He still remains a guy who I think is better in real life than fantasy and, and thusly better in OBP leagues by a good margin than he is in batting average leagues. It's not that he's a bad hitter for batting average. He makes solid contact. It's just, he has a, a well above average walk rate and he steals a few bases. And I don't think he has the power potential even of a lot of the guys on this list. I think he's going to live in that 15 to 20 Homer range, get on base a lot, steal 10 to 15 bases, just a really nice player. It's kind of like a Polanco light to me with the exception that I think uh, in an OBP league, they're more even. I think it kind of depends upon if you're drafting this position for 
upside or you're drafting it for somebody that has a high floor. And I think that Jonathan India has kind of, I think the, what he did last season, I think that's pretty much a taste of what you're going to get from him every season, which is not yeah. bad at all. And if you're looking, you know, to get that solid 20 homers, 10 steals, that, that slash that he put up last season, I think that it's, it's fine here. I think that, you know, it's kind of splitting hairs when you're looking at him and Polanco. But if you're drafting a guy that you're hoping for a little bit more than what the steamer projection is, or you think there's a little bit left as far as that ceiling, I just don't think Jonathan India is that guy. I think what we saw out of him last year is what we're going to get consistently throughout his career, which isn't bad. I think if you're in a draft and you're coming up to this slot and you're like, okay, I need to take Jorge Polanco there. He's a great pick. And then the person right before you takes Jorge Polanco. I don't like India being the second choice there. I feel like it's just, you call him uh, Jorge Polanco light, Brian, to an extent. Yeah. I think it's light, light. I just, I don't like him at this spot. I think when he was going two months ago at pick 120 or whatever it may be, that I like was that a lot so more much palatable. Better. Yeah, but this spot, because I do buy him being a good player, but I don't know if I buy the power to that extent. I also don't know if I buy that he'll ever hit for a whole lot of batting average. Maybe he hits 257 or 250 this year. So there are just enough question marks here for me to go, mm, I think I'll pass. And there are just a lot of other players I like, so no thanks at this spot. Maybe Let's you want a guy see. with a ton of upside. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> we'll see what you have to say about that player. It's Jazz Chisholm. He is the 11th second baseman off the board. We're currently going with pick 96. I believe we're to Ron first. What do you think of Jazz at this spot in the draft, Ron? I, I don't mind him here because, you know, you are going to get stolen bases. You're probably going to get 20 home runs. I, I It'll be interesting to see that, that next step that he takes in his second season coming in as the, as the starter there eligible at second and short. I just, I look at that batting average and that OBP though, and it gives me a little bit of concern. And I, and I think, and I hate that I think of this, but I think of, uh, I think of Mondesi's uh, stats that we look at with that low slash line, but always produces the the counting stats. And I don't think he's going to get to that point where he's barely hitting over 200, but I would like to see the K's come down quite a bit, but we've seen that all across his career. I think that's a part of his game that's here to stay. So hoping to see the walk rate go up, but uh, you know I want to see the slash line increase a little bit. But I think if you're picking him here, where you know when you're getting in, you know close to pick 100, and and you want some little bit of speed, you know if you're if you're kind of constructing your roster where you're trying to get a little bit of speed from each each place, I I think it's a nice nice pick here as far as a guy that's got that 2020 potential. The only another knock on him though too, I want to see him stay healthy. I do own him in a couple. Of, I do own him actually in the prestigious dynasty dynasty baseball league. And one of the things that kills me with him is he, he's always hurt. There's always something where he's nicked up, and it's not the same injury. It seems like it's, you know, he's got this wrong, and then he's got that wrong, and he misses three or four games. So I want to see him playing a little bit more than 124 games. But I think that Marlins lineup, you know, especially, you know, like we talked about in the Dynasty show, if they add another bat that, that they can put in that lineup for a pitching prospect, I think they've got the potential to be an exciting team and, and score a few more runs that people will give them credit for. And I think it all starts with Jazz Chisholm. Yeah, I, he's a player I like a lot, even if this might be a little early for him. But the thing with Jazz is, yeah, I, I look at this as all positive. This will be his age 24 season. And with all the negatives on him, that he strikes out too much and needs to add some walks, uh, he did log five, and he battled injuries all year, as Ron said. He had 507 plate appearances and hit 18 homers, stole 23 bases, he has had double digit walk rates in the minors a couple of different times. So he, he definitely has a better approach than a lot of guys 
similar to him. So I think there's a lot to recommend him as he ages and learns. Um, I, I say that say to also say if he kind of has another last year this year, that'll be one of those things that feels like a disappointment, even though it 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 would be fine from a growth arc angle. So yeah, Jazz though that 2020 potential very alluring and the ceiling is very high. Totally get it. I also, I don't know, I might be the only person in the world who's kind of out on him. It's just everything points towards regression for me. Low walk rate, high strikeout rate, a little bit of an inflated BABIP, drafted just a little bit too much more than I like on the Marlins. Marlins are a bad team. Overall, I just don't like it as much as it seems like everyone else does. So it is not a player. He's not a player I will be drafting. Most risk of anybody we've talked about so far. And ultimately, that's, uh, yeah, well, just what you said about India, too. If we could just back him up three rounds. Then it'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, 2020 is certainly within the realm of possibilities. I fully believe he could do that easily. I also think he could hurt you in other ways. Maybe he struggles a bit with the bat and hits 235. That's going to impact your batting average a little too much. You know, the counting stats may not be there again with the Marlins. We'll see. I just, uh, I don't quite get the buzz because I think the ceiling is lower than a lot of people seem to think. Like, what is his ceiling? Do you think he could go 30-30? Do you think he could go 40-40? I don't. I think this is the ceiling. I think it's 260-30-30 is the ceiling. If, yeah, if, I see. Uh, I don't. So that's. The I mean, he's there. again the the minor league walk rate suggests that there's an approach there that there's just no way it's not in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that there's a high percentage he gets there. I'm saying that ceiling exists. Sure. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Let's see. Moving on to the number twelve second baseman, kind of, but not really. We'll skip him because we've already discussed him. It's Max Muncy. He, of course, uh, is eligible at first base as well. Let's just say this: Do you like Max Muncy as a second baseman, Brian? Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week at, at first base, but um, he offers you the multi-position thing and he's hit 35 home runs his last three full seasons. So, yeah, I mean, there's that. If you liked Brandon Lau a lot earlier, I mean, Max Muncy. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely like him here. I like him a lot better to, here at my second baseman than I do at my first baseman. And you know, maybe that news of that UCL injury that he has, maybe that'll cause him to slide down a little bit further and you might even get a bigger value at 103 and you'll be able to put him all over your lineup uh, with that multi-position eligibility. But then if he tell if he if his UCLs hurt, how's he going to steal all those bases he steals? <laughs> Maximum Muncie power. <laughs> Activate. Yeah. Listen to last week's episode, the first base preview, if you want to hear what we really have to say about him. But, yep, I like him here a lot. Number 13 on the list, Tommy Edman. And Tommy Edman, pick 104 for the second base position. What do you think? Uh, I think we're back to Brian. Why not? What do you think of Tommy Edman coming into this season? Last year, he had 11 home runs, 30 steals, 262, 308, 387. You watch. You're a Cardinals fan. Tell me what do you think about Edman repeating that uh, performance. That's a very Whit Merrifield line that Edmund had. They had very similar seasons last year. A lot of steals, whole lot of not getting on base and not hitting for power. And that's kind of the thing with Edmund. He gives you outfield and second base eligibility and 25 to 30 steal possibilities, but he's not really a guy that hits for a lot of average, certainly not a guy with much power, even though both those things were things I think we all hoped Edmund would be a guy that hit 280 with 15 homers, something like that, with the speed. I don't think that's who he necessarily is 
And he also, I mean, I can tell you right now, he's not a long-term solution for the Cardinals. I think they'd much rather him be a utility guy and get Gorman uh, up as soon as they can, or, or possibly another internal option. So I, um, I'm not super high on him, but um, again, if you need steals, I know that they're scarce and a guy who can steal 30 doesn't grow on trees, but yeah, not the kind of hitter I'd like to have. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, there's just not anything exciting about him. And that's a great point about him not being, maybe not having everyday playing time as well, depending upon what they decide to do with Nolan Gourmand. But you kind of made my argument for me there as well. You're getting Whit Merrifield, uh, you know, almost what, 60 picks later. Uh, So that kind of, that shows, you know, if you were looking for those steals, they are definitely valuable. He doesn't really, you know, you're not going to get a guy at this point. I don't think that's going to hit you a ton of home runs at this position. Uh, I mean, maybe Max Muncy, but other than that, we're starting to get to that point where the the power kind of tapers off a little bit. I think he's fine here if you need the stolen bases. He's not really going to kill you anywhere else, but I don't know necessarily if if I'm going to have him here. I might wait and take the next guy off the board, and hope, especially if I have my steals uh, other places, I'm going to wait and take the, the next guy off the board about 20 picks later. Okay, so I will say that there are zero, there's a zero percent chance I end up with Tommy Edmund anywhere, and I will add to the fire of what you were saying, Brian, about maybe he's not really an everyday guy. Although last year's numbers paint that he should be, and let's see, here we go. Uh, John Mosaliak, the Cardinals GM, had a Q and A with the Athletic a while back, and this is what he said about the situation: Tommy had a good season. You know, winning a Gold Glove is nothing to ignore. Paul DeJong was obviously not what he had hoped to be, but we still have confidence that you get back to where he was a couple of years ago. Jose Rondon had a nice season and showed he can be a major league utility guy, and we have Nolan Gorman knocking on the door after basically a full season in AAA. So we feel good that we have internal options in the middle infield. Do we feel like I can tell you today who's going to get 600 at-bats at second base, who's going to get 600 at-bats at shortstop? Not exactly, but in some ways, that's okay. That's the kind of depth that we want to have. We're in a spot where whoever runs with the position, if something happens, they get hurt. We've got other guys who have confidence to step in. So that tells me that despite the season he just had, Mosaic and the Cardinals are just like, eh, he's not a very good baseball they player. Know, they know and have known it, mm-hmm. like what, what kind of player that he is, which is certainly a useful one, but it's really circumstance, injuries and things like that that have resulted in him becoming like a full, full-time guy. Yeah, and if he gets 500 plate appearances this year and that's it, then I would not be shocked at all. And that, of course, limits the stolen base potential. Maybe it reverts to what he did a couple of years ago. Yeah, and that's and 15, which is That's what nice. I was going to say is up until last year, I don't think we anybody thought he was a 30 stolen base guy either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and he was going super late in drafts and I didn't even like him then, but that certainly panned out last year for fantasy owners. This year, it's a little too pricey for my blood. Okay, moving on to the number 14 second baseman. It's Jake Cronenworth, and he's going to pick 125. Let's go to Ron first. You just kind of hinted you're really interested in Cronenworth, so tell us what you think about him. Last year, 21 homers, four steals, 266, 340, 460 with the San Diego Padres. Yeah, so like I said, he's going to give you, obviously not going to give you the stolen bases that Tommy Edmond gave you, but a guy that carved out a nice role last year, in San Diego, a guy that I, in one league, the one league that I did have him, I think I picked him up off of waivers. I think I spent a dollar picking him up. And so he's going to be a guy that I'm going to look at. That's a, actually a keeper league. And I think I get to keep him for like three bucks next year, which is absolutely nice. nothing. Yeah. So 21 homers, 94 runs, 71 RBIs, 
stole four bases, so he did chip in a, a little bit, not you know double digits. I, I think there's potential there. He could get you to 10 maybe, but the, the slash line was nice too, 266, 344, 60. So he, he doesn't strike out a lot. He walks a decent amount. He helps you a lot of places, and he hits in a really, really good lineup. 27 years old, so entering those prime seasons. I think there's a really lot, a whole lot to like here about Jake Cronenworth, especially if he's one of those guys that I'm not sure how the, the eligibility works in, in some leagues. If he still has that in some leagues, that that's, that's just a bonus. But I like him a lot at pick 125. Sure. I think he's a, a really solid hitter with a little extra upside in him who I feel very good about repeating hitting 270 with 20 homers, something like that, and just being able to do that for the next few years. I think he's probably a little better in real life than fantasy because, again, he doesn't really offer a whole lot of speed, things like that. But, yeah, he's one of those late bloomers who does appear to be the real deal. I think he'll be good for a few years, and he I would rather have him than Edmund and, and a couple other guys kind of around him. So very solid player. I don't think I'll probably wind up with him just because like just in what I've been looking at, I don't think I will, but real solid player. I think you said safe, Ron, and I think that's a good way to describe him. I think he's a safe bet for good power, good runs, maybe some okay RBI, depending on where he hits in the lineup and, and an okay average. But I think you can take a player that's going 64 picks later and get the same, if not more, production. And there are several other second basemen that I like, you know, 60, 80, 100 picks later that I think can virtually get you the same thing. Maybe they're a little riskier, but I would rather worry about a pitcher or whatever it may be here. So I don't really see any interest for in myself and Jake Runnerworth, but I get it for someone who wants to fill the position and wants a safe bet at the position because I think that's exactly what he is. Let's see, number 15, second baseman we discussed last week, DJ LeMayhew, and ultimately I knew you, you guys were down on him. I was positive. I really like him as a second baseman here at pick 133, but if you want to hear what we had to say about him, go check out the first base edition and find out if we like him at all this year. And I think that's a good time to just say, okay, we'll stop doing the individual stuff and give you our overall reviews of the position. So let's see here. We're going to start with our best buy, and this is uh, anyone across the board. You know, it can be whatever draft spot, just the person you think you might own the most of this year or people. So let's start with Brian. Who do you think is the best buy of this year's second base class? I mentioned it kind of while we we're doing it, but I, I really love Jorge Polanco at 91. I think he offers you production of guys much higher at that spot. Baez at 86 is another one like that. Like that pick quite a bit. If I want to go a little further down, but not too far out, Brendan Rodgers is going around like 170. Where is he? 168. And I'm not in love with what we saw last year with the low walk rate and things like that, that he also doesn't strike out much. And I think he could, with the playing time, and Colorado should give it to him if he's healthy, I think he could put up kind of deceptively nice counting stats over a full season, even if he's not destined to become a superstar, like maybe we were hoping. I got to say Baez at 86 as well. I think, you know, we, we kind of made the case for him where you're getting him and what you're getting for that price. And, I, you know, I'm going to go back to Jake Cronenworth at pick 125. I just feel really comfortable with what he's going to give you there. I don't think there's much risk there. I think the pick is not crazy to, to put him in there. And, you know, I made the case. I like the lineup that he plays in. I like Brendan Rodgers as well uh, at, at 18. And then a guy a little bit later on down the line there at pick 19, not a guy to get super excited about, a guy that I actually have in the Dynasty Dynasty Baseball League as well. 
but that's Ty France, guy that you're getting it almost picked, you know, between 185 and 200. Nothing really exciting about him, but just potential for just solid stats across the board. And also, I'd like to, because I forgot to mention it last week when we discussed Ty France, but I was really curious how his OBP got so high with that pedestrian walk rate. The guy got hit by 27 pitches last year. I hope he's <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> you know, I never really thought of him as a guy that crowds the plate or whatever, but I guess I so. I don't know. Weird. Well, I, uh, okay, so Polanco, Baez, great options, and those are certainly earlier pick options. Second base being deep what it, as it is. In a moment, we'll give you our best options outside of the top 20 and best super late options outside of the top 40. So I'm kind of cheating here because I think a lot of the players in the 20 to 30 range are awesome and great. So I'm going to give you a couple of names there that I wanted to discuss as my best overall buys. Luis Urias is a player that I hinted at a little bit earlier. I was maybe a bit skeptical on him at the outset of the season, but yeah. the more I've looked, boy, I'm impressed. I think he's not going to hit for average. He had 249 last year, but he had 23 home runs and 570 plate appearances, five stolen bases, 77 runs, 75 RBIs. He's on the Brewers, which is a pretty good park to hit in. I think this is the one that I suggested if you're going after Jake Cronenworth, take a player, you know, 60 picks later. This is exactly what it is. Obviously, doesn't have the batting average upside. Cronenworth might, but I think 280 to 250 is not that big of a drop-off for 50, 60 picks later in a draft. So I really, really like him. And then the last name I'll say uh, on that note is Colton Wong is going a few picks later. He is 22nd off the board, pick 210. And guess what? He's a guy that's going to give you power, speed, and he's going to hit for an okay batting average. Last year, just 492 plate appearances because of injury, and he's to that point where he's pretty much just always injured. But if this is the time that he gets 650 plate appearances, he's got a 2020 season under his belt, and he's going, you know, a pick 210. So I think that's an excellent buy. What a Brewers well. homer. Yeah, I guess so. Both <laughs> on the Brewers. Wow. Who knew? Well, let's shift gears here and talk about bad buys. So let's go to Ron first. Who is the second baseman or second baseman that you just want nothing to do with this year? Uh, I'm going to focus on one, and it's going to be Whit Merrifield at pick 42. You know, you made the case that you can get Tommy Edmond if you want that skill set or that that stat line much later. Uh, you know, like you said, Van, there's even guys beyond pick 20 that you can get that you can feel really good about. I just don't feel good about picking Whit Merrifield at 42, especially if this is the season when we see that drastic drop-off in, in the stolen bases or we see – father time kind of creep up on him and he's hurt a little bit off and on and you just don't get the plate appearances to get those stats or to get those steals and you know you're not going to get power out of that and he, he's kind of limited as to what he gives you but i think at 42 it's just an overpay father time's I, just walloping him in the back of the head <laughs> with a bat father time is angry mm-hmm. <laughs> hence my poor strained neck anyway I agree. Wet Merrifield is the guy who I find most untouchable here, but also Simeon at 31, I think is just another skill set you can replicate a lot later. So those two back-to-back picks are really the two that, that stand out to me. And I'm also not, we touched on this, but I'm a little wary of India and uh, Chisholm both inside the top 100 also, even though they're both players I liked varying degrees for different reasons. And you guys gave all great names. I will dip a little bit later in a player we didn't quite discuss. It's the 17th second baseman off the board, Glaber Torres at pick 156. What the hell are people doing drafting Glaber Torres at 156? He has proved that he's just bad. It's the projections. It's got to be. It has to be, right? Because they fully expect the big power bounce back and the stolen base gains last year, which came from nowhere. 14 stolen bases last year. He's just not 
that good of a base. I'll runner. say this though: if you could take a flyer on the guy, then sure. At if his I age, could get him at two hundred plus, yes, but not at one fifty, because at that point you're still you still need guys, so you still need starters. Yeah, so I just do not see the allure of taking Torres there. I know he's on the Yankees, and that's a good team, but he may not be on the Yankees for much longer if he can't get back on track. And I, we said it last year before that season began of like, okay, I buy a little bit of a bounce back. We liked yeah. him. Now I don't because he didn't bounce back. It just looked bad. So I think he's just a bad hitter. He doesn't walk enough. He walks okay, but the batting average is bad. That The OBP doesn't really get that great. And again, the power disappeared. 366 slugging percentage last year, 368 in the 2020 short season. I don't get it one bit. Okay. I can't believe this is a guy who hit 38 home runs when he was 22. <laughs> and we were all like, oh man, he is going to be an elite second baseman. I mean, for, for good years. reason. Yeah. And yeah. It's just, oof. I guess he is young. So maybe, what is he, 25? Still just 25. So yeah. Who knows? But yeah, at 156, no thank you. Okay, let's go on to best option outside of the top 20. And I, like I said, I cheated earlier, but I have an even later, later name for you. So I'll start with this one. Jonathan Scope is the 26th second baseman off the board at pick 259 overall. And I think people just, for whatever reason, don't like Scope or just, I'll tell you what it was. We talked to him on the uh, Launch Angle podcast that I recorded this afternoon. And in my head, before I even said anything, sometimes I like to push a narrative about a player to see if Rob or Jeff pushed back on that. And the narrative I pushed was he didn't live up to expectations for a while, but then last year had a resurgent year. And I think that's completely false because he's always lived up to expectations because he's doing exactly the same thing year in and year out. 674 plate appearances last year, 22 home runs, 85 runs, 84 RBI, two steals, 278, 320, 435. If you're looking for a second baseman and you're sitting here at, what was it, pick 259, there's 20-plus stolen sure. bases. There's a 270 batting average on a team that's getting better. I think he's a fantastic option and just not being valued appropriately. Yeah, I think he has some stink on him from being like a top, top prospect. and mm -hmm. That just being, didn't quite reach being that status. fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of those sorts of players. So who do you have for us, Brian? So outside the top 20, the one I had also, yeah, it's 21, but uh, Luis Urias, who, who really did have a nice season, and I don't, it's not what I thought of him as a prospect, but he does hit for power and he should get playing time. And you never know. He's young enough. There could be more to him. There could be a, a little more contact in this game with coaching. I'm not sure. So he was a big one for me. And then depending on your team construction, if Vidal Bruhan winds up getting a starting job or you think he's going to get at bats, that could be a route to some much cheaper steals that could win you a league in stolen bases. Yeah. He's that fast. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's going around 290, so the 29th guy off the board. And that's as far as I'll go because I don't want to steal any of the outside the top 40 guys. And I also don't want to talk about David Fletcher. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Now, last thing on uh, Bruhan, that's a guy that you need to keep an eye on the CBA. If the CBA comes out, yeah. they eliminate the Super 2 status, he might be an opening day player for the Rays. So that might make his cost go up or make his value potentially go up as well. Okay, Ron, all you. Um, I'm going to echo what you said with Colton Wong. Colton Wong's a guy that I own in a, in a dynasty league, got him for nothing a couple of years ago. And, and if he's healthy, he's going to pay off for you. And in the yearly league, he's going to pay off for you because you're paying nothing for him. Um, obviously, Vidal Bruhan being a Ray. But the guy that I was kind of looking to talk about here and kind of out of nowhere is Tony Kemp. And Tony Kemp is... 
sitting there as an Oakland athletic. When you look at roster resource, he's sitting there as the leadoff guy. Age 30, he's been around a while. But when you look at what he did last year in 397 plate appearances, hit 279, 382, 418, hit eight homers, stole eight bases. So there's that potential there. You know, if he keeps that leadoff job, I don't know how good that lineup's going to be behind him, especially if they trade guys like Matt Olson. But there's potential here. He doesn't strike out. He walks a lot. He'd help you across the board. Uh, you know, as a, as a late maybe uh, an injury fill-in or a guy that you can put in in, in, your, in the off day for your starter. But you're getting him around pick 400. He, he virtually costs you nothing. And if he can keep that leadoff spot, he's going to get a ton of chances to put up stats. Next year, he is arbitration eligible. So I think he's safe for at least a year before Oakland really just gets rid of him because they are tanking. They are absolutely tanking. And as soon as the CBA is taken care of, they're going to trade Olsen. They might trade Chapman. They are going to tear that team down and not spend any money. There's a whole stadium issue there. It's a big deal. So, uh, yeah, I think right now Kemp could be an interesting option uh, that late at the draft. Uh, The only other name I want to point out here, and this is not a me being pro this player name. This is a me being C, C, is Kevin Biggio is now yeah. with the what twenty eighth second baseman, and I would not, t- I would not own that guy in a league under any circumstance. No, and do you remember last year? <clears throat> I was a little bit hard on Biggio, and most people were, weren't like upset with me, but they were like, "Come on, he's good, whatever." But he sure isn't. However, I traded him in the prestigious Dynasty Dynasty Baseball League for Matthew Libertori, and people told me how stupid I was, and maybe that wasn't a great trade. Maybe I could have gotten more value out of it, but. Biggio looks toast. He looks so bad. He dealt with injuries. He still can't hit for average. The power and speed were not there as compared to the previous years. So uh, take that, all you haters out there. Okay, <laughs> one more question, and then we'll get out of here. Best super late option. This is outside of the top 40, and I at least found this to be a little bit more interesting than first base, certainly, and definitely yeah. catcher. Uh, Ron, we'll go to you first. Who's your best super late option? So I'm going to give you a couple of them here, and and it's it's a couple. You're going to take all the good ones, Ron. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not. These are not guys that are are. I would I would definitely not categorize them as good. I'm sorry, that, I used the wrong adjective. <laughs> <laughs> but guys that you could, they definitely have a little bit of potential because they've shown a few flashes here and there. First guy that I'm looking at here, and I've got to even scroll down and find out where he's even at. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a guy that's way way down my list here. He's sitting there at number 57 at pick 677, and that's Johan Caramargo for the Phillies. And it's a guy that hasn't done it for a while, but when you look at what he did in 2018, out of nowhere had a nice little season, 272, 349, 457, hit you 19 homers. He had uh, 524 plate appearances. I don't know where he he falls. He signed with Philadelphia, and and I believe he's probably going to – he could be a guy that starts out the year in AAA, but he could be a bench guy that could see – you know, a meaningful role if he starts the season on uh, the roster, which I think he he will. I just don't know where he's going to play. If he gets enough opportunities, he could give you something there for no more than you're paying for him. The other guy I want to give you is Christian Arroyo. Christian Arroyo is eligible at second and third base with the Red Sox. 181 plate appearances last year. So not an everyday guy, but another guy you could have on your bench that, you know, an injury gives him a lot of a lot more playing time. But in 181 plate appearances, hit six homers. Hit for a decent average, strikes out a lot, but uh, you know, you hear again, it's a dart throw. It's a guy that if he gets plate appearances, that's kind of what you're looking for here. Is when you're you're picking guys this late, you want guys that are going to be in the lineup. So if he finds a way to playing time, wants a top prospect in the Giants organization, I think he could be a guy that could give you a little bit of value here. Couple of guys who just kind of wind up with playing time 
Oh, you're going to take all the good names from me. You see how it feels, Brian? Doesn't feel good. Doesn't feel good. Uh, One of them is the guy Ron just said, Johan Carmago. The other one's very similar, and that's Jed Lowry. They're just kind of like utility guys who wind up playing. And so that makes them alluring if you're picking this late, like uh, past the 40th second baseman. And the only other one I'll mention, and this is not an endorsement of this player who I do not like because he hasn't shown anything at all since a couple of years ago when he did hit an empty 20 home runs. But that's Michael Chavis, who is on the Pirates. So, I mean, why wouldn't he play? What's blocking him? So, I, I mean, I just kind of have him down as, I don't know, picking him like absurdly late could mean you walk into uh, 20 homers at pick 564. Yeah. So yeah, there totally is that. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you my first option here, who's the 41st second baseman off the board. And his <laughs> name is Robinson Cano, going to pick 447. That is free. Let me reiterate that is a free pick in most mm-hmm. leagues. Do you guys know what Robinson Cano did last year when he finally played? It is. I actually seriously have no idea. It's amazing. <laughs> 182 plate appearances, so not many. 10 home runs, that's pretty good. 316, 352, 544. He was Cano of old in 182 plate appearances. Do I think he's going to do that over a full season? No, but I do think that he has a contract because he has that big contract for the next two years, and the Mets are going to chug him out there and play him. And guess what? I've for years said that this is a guy who's going to age well because of his solid swing. He's a good batting average guy. And I fully believe that if we come back at the end of this year, look up and he hit 300 with 20 home runs, I wouldn't be shocked. And because the Mets have gotten a little bit better, they've put some money into the team. Maybe that means some good runs in RBIs. Of course, it also might mean that he gets hurt or nailed for PEDs again, whatever it may be, and he barely plays. But overall, for free, I will happily take a shot on Robinson Cano here. And then one other name I just toss out there is the 58th second baseman off the board, pick 683 overall, Michael Bush, who is a prospect for the Dodgers and a prospect that I like. He's kind of like Max Muncy in that he's mm-hmm. a slugging second baseman who may not get you a super batting average, but could hit for a reasonable average. Uh, he's like Max Muncy at 80%, so he's not quite maximum Muncy, not quite minimum Muncy, but somewhere mm. in the middle Muncy. He's mostly engaged Muncy. Indeed. And <laughs> guess what? That team is stacked, however, with some injuries, with something happening, maybe some trades, he gets some playing time and uh, could produce at the major league level. So I like Michael Bush. So there you go. That's going to do it for a second base review. Um, what do you guys think? Was this a successful experience or do, should I just burn this podcast down? Oh, I think this will move us. I think people will hear this episode and they'll be like, you know what? I like these guys. This will this will probably make us the number number one baseball mm-hmm. podcast, I'd imagine. I think everyone that listens to this will win their league hands down. Oh, yeah. Including yeah. all three of us, even in the leagues yeah. that we're all in. We're, we're going to we're, we're going to tie for first in Dynasty. <laughs> yeah. How cool uh, would that be? <laughs> or if any of us crack the top 10, how cool would that be? It's sure not going to happen for me. I can tell no, you. No, we're all much. kind of still mid rebuild, to be fair. <laughs> yes. Well, I agree. I think if you're out there listening to this podcast, you're going to win your fantasy league. So you know what you should do is you should head over to patreon.com slash bootuink, B-O-O-T-U-I-N-C. And for just two bucks a month or more, you get all kinds of bonus content. We've got baseball stuff on there for our sister podcast, the Dynasty Baseball Pod show, excuse me. You get uh, extra uh, prospects that we discuss every week. 
We also have other shows on the Boo Inc. podcast network, including the Boob Tube Boys, where Brian Vaughn, myself, and Spencer Hendricks, our friend, discuss TV shows. What show do we just cover? Brian, I already forgot. Oh, yeah. We are first episode covering Goosebumps just came out, the children's scary TV show from the 1990s. And we had a really good time talking about extremely implausible plots. And the cuckoo clock of doom. Mm-hmm. It was so spooky. Yeah, check that show out. It's great. If you've ever wanted to erase your sister, just watch that episode of Goosebumps and then listen to us talk about it. Ron, you have siblings, right? I do not. No, that's right. You are. Uh, Nate had a sibling, I think. Well, I well, well. I am a flush with siblings compared to you guys. <laughs> yeah, because your dad was uh, prolific, I guess. Viral, we'll I think, is the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Well, either way, again, Boo2 Inc., patreon.com slash Boo2 Inc., just a couple bucks a month or more, supports this show. We appreciate all the listeners returning every year. This is like the 15th year of the Nasty Cast or something like that. We're happy to be back, and we'll be happy next week to be discussing, I don't know, should we do third base or shortstop? What do you guys think? Ooh, Ron, you pick it, since I picked our dynasty team. I think we go third base next week. Third base it is. So we will be discussing the third baseman in Major League Baseball this year, and it will be exciting. How hot is the hot corner? It's tepid at worst, fairly warm at best. Yeah. (laughs) No, actually, third base is, I think, interesting. A little shallow, but I think it's fun, guys. We'll see. So for Ron Rigney, for Brian Vaughn, I'm Van Lee, and may the fantasy gods shine upon you.